Just because we can't get enough of it, here is my review of Scream 6. Welcome to another edition of Midnight Social Distortion. Attention, do not be disturbed. You are now leaving reality and entering Midnight Social Distortion. And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Midnight Social Distortion. My name is Marco Estes, and this is where my gay horror blurredom collides. I want to say thank you for all those that reached out from last week's episode, or rather the last episode uh, that dealt with my brother. Um, I appreciate the, the love and the condolences and, you know, you know, just the, the good vibes that people sent to me about it because it was very hard to do. I kept postponing it because I felt like that's one of the things in my life that I was, you know, prolonging getting to because it was a confirmation that this is not a nightmare that I'm going to wake up from and that, you know, life is like my brother's no longer here. Um, I have yet to make any... um progress on trying to write in the journal that I set aside to you know talk to him with um so it's getting there but I am taking the what's the word I'm looking for I'm taking the lead on not take I'm not taking the lead I'm following the lead of his wife who is enjoying you know life because that's what he wanted us to do so I'm about to get back in the swing of things. Um, I'm creating, I'm working on um, a frame. I'm painting this frame to make it out to as a tribute to him. But I'm also thinking about doing a frame that is going to be Depeche Mode. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a, like a shrine to Depeche Mode. I got the frame already bought. I just got to figure out what colors I'm going to use. And I'm trying to find out a way if I can get a picture of a Depeche Mode um, logo and have somebody put it onto a piece of wood and I guess cut around the logo and I'm going to paint the logo a certain color and add it into the frame as an abstract art type thing. Yes, I'm getting my creative juices back and I'm so excited about that. So I think that has to something to do with Darian like, you know, looking at me like, bruh what are you doing so you need to get back to creating so i'm taking that energy that i'm getting from the other realm and applying it to life so but while all that's been going on there's been a lot of fuckery going on here in tennessee as everybody know about the drag band that has been giving a stay of some sort of postponement by the i don't know if it's the tennessee supreme court i should have looked it up but i do know that the gist of it is that they're saying that the ban is pretty much, I think, very overly, they say overly broad and that it doesn't necessitate, they haven't proven, pretty much they have not proven a reason why the government should be severely involved in drag bans. Like, why should we monitor the drag um culture and all this stuff i mean bottom it, it's it's 
there's no need. There's no need for that. And I'm glad they did that because it makes Tennessee look very stupid on top of the fact that we recently had this tragedy this past week with the six people that were killed in Nashville. And then all of a sudden, all of the politicians in Tennessee are like, we're not trying to make this political, but you're trying to make personal lives of people who have nothing to do with, you know, harming kids at all political. So yeah, um, I'm from Tennessee, as y'all know, and I'm still here. But if I could have a portal to open up that would ask me if I wanted to go anywhere else in the world, I would jump in that motherfucker with the quickness. Not just out of Tennessee, but just off this planet because it's getting ridiculous. And as I'm recording this, April Fool's Day has ended. I'm so happy because I hate April Fool's Day and Black Twitter threads, um, which is an IG page that I follow. Pretty much summed it up with one of the tweets that came from um, Twitter, from Black Twitter. It's that, you know, there's no, I'm just, just putting it out there. There's no reason to celebrate April Fool's Day because everything that happens to us in reality is a joke. And so <laughs> I've always hated April Fool's Day. I partook in it when I was younger, but then, you know, when it came to like people playing with folks' emotions when it comes to news sources and whatnot, because nobody pays attention to the date and they get in their feelings when they come across something and say, well, it said it on this, it said it on this, not looking at the fact that it's April Fool's Day and they should not take that seriously. So I try to avoid all types of news when it comes to April Fool's Day and I, you know, pray everybody else does, but some people are just so gullible. And to backtrack to why this is, why I hate April Fool's Day, you know, some people kind of take, you know, current events and try to use them as jokes, and I'm not for that. So, yeah, um, Tennessee is in a hellhole right now. Um, I'm not apologizing for anything that they're doing because that's them. I'm living my, you know, own life and i'm just here to tell them they need to you know do better it's kind of like what james baldwin says about america like i can love my country but still be severely um critical of it and i can i can somewhat say that about tennessee outside of you know i mean there's stuff you can do in tennessee it's just you have a small group of people who are trying to take over the fun that can be had here in Tennessee. I know people were saying that Nashville is going to be the next Atlanta. And I just don't see that happening. Not with them coming up with these laws and shit, you know, saying that they can't be dragged on drag shows and the, you know, trying to like harm trans kids and whatnot. It's just, it's just entirely too much to be a queer person in Tennessee. So not, not just a queer person, but even a black person in Tennessee or a person of color. So it's just it's just ridiculous here. And I say if you want to move here, if you want to visit, you know, do your research, look for places that are, you know, queer friendly or, you know, because there are places here that are queer friendly and that are, you know, black owned and, you know, that are very well respected by people of color and allies and whatnot so just look for those places if you just have to come down here and visit um but yeah just be on the safe side i was going to talk more about the drag band but i had you know wrote a little bit of something before the i guess the the state came in from the states or where the, the 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 courts so i'm just going to just say hey that's a good step forward though but we have 
a long trek to go before we can just, you know, take back our rights as, you know, queer people and, you know, queer entertainment and whatnot. Um, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that for right now because I don't want to get into a full-on diatribe about that. I'm going to say that for another episode that I can devote an entire, um, you know, hour or two or whatnot. Because today we're talking about Scream 6. But before we get to Scream 6, I want to mention a few other things that um, have been popping up lately. Basically, um, some of the news that came out, this was before April Fool's Day, thank God. Jordan Peele's next um, film hits Christmas 2024. Christmas Day, as a matter of fact, if I can recall correctly. Um, There's no information. Of course, there's no information on what the movie's going to be about, whether it's going to be a a thriller or a horror movie or something of that ilk. We just know that Jordan Peele is going to be directing it. There is another Monkey Pop Productions picture coming out around this same time period, but it's going to be, I think that's been labeled a horror film, but it's going to be directed by somebody else. There's still no information about what that film is going to be about. So there's some good news there. Um, as you all know, I am a horror figure collector or just, I, I, I collect, you know, mostly action figures that are, meant for adult consumption and what i mean by that is that you're not gonna pay 24 25 dollars 27 dollars for an action figure that your kids can go home and like break in the next like as soon as they get out of the package um so i collect like marvel stuff dc stuff but from but from certain um vendors or like you know hasbro has a marvel legends line that i collect only through them um i also collect dc multiverse through mcfarlane toys and i also collect a lot of NECA figures because that's what started it um and NECA is is like the premier place for horror action figures even though some of them can be very fragile and then they'll they'll tell you in a, if something happens to your figure like you're not supposed to be like playing with it but it's not we're not playing with them we're just trying to pose them so we can take pictures so but with that being said, they finally announced the Bride of Frankenstein fig, um, action figure that's going to probably be coming out either this summer or later in the fall. And they also announced officially the creature from the Black, oh, the, sorry, the creature from the Black Lagoon figure. Uh, I already have Frankenstein, Dracula, the Wolfman, and the Mummy, so it'll be great to go ahead and complete that um, Universal Monsters collection. I know there's a Phantom of the Opera and an Invisible Man out there, but I don't know. Uh, I'm not that big of a fan of the Phantom. Um, as far as the Invisible Man, uh, it's just it's just nothing that in, uh, with that figure that's like reaching out to me to actually need. Uh, I wanted the Frankenstein figure. I wanted the Frankenstein monsters figure. Excuse me. I wanted the Mummy. I wanted the Wolfman. I wanted Dracula, and I wanted the Bride and the Creature. So I'm just gonna stick with those. But if you're a big toy head person and you haven't heard the news, the creature from the black lagoon and the bride of frankenstein are coming officially they also announced this weekend uh if you're into that crossover they're doing with the teenage mutant ninja turtle figures uh phantom of the opera figure that is a crossover with the phantom and casey jones me personally i have not bought any of those um i just that's just not what i'm looking for i'm more of a straightforward horror guy I'm not into the mashups, so yeah. Also, since I want to say, yeah, 
mid-February. The Fred Heads documentary is finally available on DVD on Amazon. Uh, I have been following the project for a long time. Um, they were working on this pre-COVID. Um, I mean, they put some years into this project. And I think COVID kind of put a dent in their momentum because I think they were getting ready to release it probably like in 2021, maybe. And then COVID just fucked up everything. So I'm just here to tell everybody that it's available on Amazon. It's only a DVD. There's no 4K version of it or a Blu-ray version of it as of yet. Um, I wanted to have one of the producers of it, Anthony Brownlee, come on and talk about it once I get a chance to watch it. Unfortunately, I got my copy around the same time that um, we were having my brother's funeral and I just haven't had, uh, you know, the urge to just jump into a documentary of any type. So hopefully I get to watch that pretty soon. And finally, there have been positive reviews of Evil Dead Rises. Um, I try to avoid some of the reviews. I was just looking at the headlines because I don't want to get spoiled. I did read one review that kind of semi-spoiled some aspects of it, but not like big events, just um, how the movie started out. So um, I'm happy about that because... I know the movie was originally supposed to go to HBO Max, just like House Party was. And I know a lot of people did not care for House Party. So <laughs> I was worried that the House Party remake, rather. So I was worried that it was of the same production that, you know, it was nothing wrong with the production of House Party. It was just it wasn't needed. Um, that was a remake that could have been another movie of some sort because, you know, unless they gave us a House Party reunion movie with the original cast members and that would have been fine. But instead, they gave us a whole reboot. And I'm kind of upset that it didn't do as well as it did because I actually do love one of the um, actors that plays in it, Tossin Cole. He, I saw him in Doctor Who. That's the first time I saw him. He was a companion uh, with the 13th Doctor, and which means he's British. And y'all know I have a thing about British men. So yeah, I just hate that, you know, that was a project that he took on. And so, but there's more stuff out there, bro. Um... Yeah, so I'm happy that the Evil Dead Rises movie, I keep saying Evil Dead Rises, it's Evil Dead Rise. I'm happy that the Evil Dead Rise movie is doing good with, you know, those who have seen it at South by Southwest and other places. I also hope that it brings more movies in uh, from, from the franchise instead of a 10-year gap. True, we got Ash vs. the Evil Dead in the midst of all of that, but it's still not like an experience to go to see dead ice fuck up shit in the theater. Uh, so yeah, there's that. And I think that's enough pre ish before we get into scream six. So I'm going to take a quick break and I'll be right back. And we are back. And like I said, like I promised this episode is going to focus on scream six, the latest in the screen franchise that was released, uh, excuse me, March 10th. But y'all know my black ass from the theater on March 9th. I was not playing. So when the tickets went on sale, I think um, because everything that had happened, you know, in my personal life, I completely forgot that I bought tickets for 
a 3D showing of Scream 6. I got to the theater at 5 o'clock that day. Only thing I was looking for was my poster. You know, you got an exclusive poster, and it was the Scream 6 fan event. And I remember the last fan event I went to was for Scream, um, the the original Scream, and then there's going to have, like, this sneak peek of Scream 5 or, you know. And there was no posters that were given out. There was no big uh really fan event it was just they they showed clips from the behind the scenes on the scream release i think it was the 25th anniversary release of scream but the clips were not new they were the clips that were shown on the screen vhs from back in the day that i'm pretty sure most screen fans have so it was like i paid to see some shit that i could have got for free you know because there was nothing new. There was no new clips from Scream 5. Because um, I think they were getting ready to release the trailer. And I think a lot of people went to go see the trailer for Scream 5. And they didn't get the trailer. The trailer came out, I think, the week afterwards. So a lot of people was left a little pissy after that. Um, but this time I went and got my tickets. I got my poster. And the guy handed me a pair of 3D glasses that I was like, what's these for? And he was like, it's a 3D event. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, cool. Um, so I got in the theater and I could see everybody was excited this time around um, because everybody had on their Scream garbs and some people even found a way to get a Scream 6 shirt. Fuck them, but it's fine. So I was, you know, amongst people, of, of, of I was amongst like-minded people. I was amongst like-minded people and I was happy about that, but I wish I'd have been with some friends um as you probably have seen by now or have heard um the scream kings which consists of me tamon kane bobby torres and michael brown we did two episodes about scream six one was a pre um show that was talking about what we wanted to see from the movie and whatnot and then after the movie was released we did a post show about us you know talking about the the storyline the characters our reactions and where the, the franchise can go after that you can find both those episodes on youtube on the screen kings channel and that's screen kings with a z not an s and you can get our breakdown of the movie there i also discussed the movie with gray uh, from gray matter um, so uh if you want to hear me and Gray's theories on that, um, go right ahead and find it on Gray Matter on any podcast app that you can find. Um, what else did I do about Scream 6? It's just been on everybody's um, tip. Of the, I know some people have seen the movie like multiple times since it's been released. Like I'm talking probably 10 times for some people. I've seen it twice. I think Taman has seen it probably five times. I don't know. Cause he went Thursday. He went against Saturday. And I think he went again um, the weekend after that. And then the weekend after that. So it's been a big experience for a lot of people. And the reason why I'm bringing all that up is because we've all seen the movie. We've all know who got got, who did what and all that good shit. So I'm not going to do a blow by blow description of everything that went down. I'm just going to get into the nitty gritty about what I thought about X, Y, and Z and whatnot. And I'm pretty sure you guys heard plenty of other podcasts that sat there and probably broke the movie down per frame, down to the second, down to the celluloid um, film strip, whatever. So I'm just going to give my thoughts on it that are not, you know, 
a conversation, just me, a conversation between me and myself and those who's listening right now. So let's just get right to it. As you all know, Scream 6 was directed by Radio Silence, which consists of Matt Bettinelli, Olpin, and Tyler Gillette. Written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick. Based on characters by Kevin Williamson. And you all know it starred Melissa Barrera, Jasmine Savoy Brown, um, Henry Chesner. Chesney? Chesney? Oh, I'm sorry. Um... Courtney Cox, Tatum Panettiere, Josh Aguera, Tony Revolori, Jenna Ortega, Devin Dakota, Dermot, Dermot Mulroney, Mason Gooding, Liana Liberato, and I, did I say Courtney Cox or Samara Weaving? Either way, you all know they're all in there. So, <laughs> so the movie pretty much gave us what we were not expecting with the opening. I mean, we knew it's going to be an opening kill. I can, I told everybody from watching the trailer, I said something. Actually, let me take it back. I've, I kind of figured that because Radio Silence has worked with Samara Weaving a couple of times before and about her just getting a late you know, role in the movie after they announced most of the cast, I was like, she has to be the opening kill because, you know, she's iconic for the horror group you know what i'm saying and just in general she's iconic but i think more horror fans are more they they recognize samara you know at the drop of a hat i know somebody told me they got her confused with margot um roby and i'm like i don't see how y'all could do that but then again you know because she has that look on her face if you can look at her in samara in the babysitter and when she gets kind of like the crazed eyes she can kind of sum up she can not sum up but she can kind of like um drum up a little bit of margot roby's um harley quinn you know they could be twin sisters at that point but outside of that and outside of those roles totally different people um but yeah so we got the opening um in new york city with her you know waiting for a date and i actually fell for her immediately as i saw her granted i had on the 3d glasses and when the movie came on, I was like, I'm not seeing any 3D because I didn't know if the movie was actually shot in 3D or if it's just an add on post production during post production. But once Samara came on screen and the yellowish white dress she had on um, was beautiful, it just popped. And especially with the 3D glasses on, it just popped and it's just like oh she looks beautiful and then all of a sudden you know the phone call started and even though you knew it was Ghostface, it was just the fact that you know she's just nervous about being on the first date and i'm like i'm already like there with her like in a new city and you're trying to figure out like you're supposed to be meeting somebody and you kind of get a little nervous about like, you know, how is this day going to go? Is this about to be a disaster? Am I wasting my time? You know, all the shit that you go through when you're getting ready to do go on a first date with somebody. Um, So I fell for her immediately. And so when she gets out to the alleyway and then, you know, shit happens, it's kind of like, damn, you know. But it wasn't Casey Becker-ish. I mean, it was a great opening for a movie set in the biggest city in the world almost like you know with new york city and i was here for it but i felt like it could have played out a little bit longer um again if you want to hear how Taymon and michael and even bobby 
said how they wanted the opening to be. You can, uh, I think Graven mentioned something similar. Um, just go listen to those podcasts and those and watch those episodes because I don't want to run through that here. Um, I don't want them to explain it. I want you to go see those so they can explain it even better because I think it would have been a great homage not only to Scream 2's opening, but just, why do I say it's an homage because New York City might bite my damn neck off, but it just could play into the whole atmosphere of Halloween in New York City and, you know, the chaos that can go down during the time period. I've never been in New York City during Halloween. I've never been in New York City, period. So whatever. But the big shock of that whole entire scene came when Ghostface unmasked himself and it ended up being Tony Revel... I cannot pronounce this man's last name. Revelory, who plays Jason. And I'm like, whoa. Because the whole entire theater was like, oh my god like is he a ghost face is he is is this for real is this on the set of a new movie or something and so when he walks off and he get he bumps into tara and a group of friends her friends it was just like we've never seen anything like this this is a great opening because you did not know where this was going to go you did not know if he's going to go back to his dorm room or end up at the party and then the movie's gonna just take off like that like we have a ghost face that's unmasked we're gonna see how the ghost face interacts with the kids but then once we get to the room and then you realize that the opening scene is still ongoing loved it loved it loved it i feel like that set the bar for not trying to recopy what the casey becker scene and um screen one we kind of got a Casey Becker scene in screen four and we got one technically in screen five with Tara um I kind of like how screen two and screen three kind of like subverted expectations you just knew that the opening kid was going to be somebody of 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 some type of caliber you know but when you got to screen four it was just like oh and then we got to screen five. We got Tara. And the only surprising thing about that is that despite the brutality she went through in that, she survived. So they're constantly raising the bar. And I kind of put this opening up there with screen, the first three screens. So maybe behind screen two, but only because of the unmasking of, of two active ghost face and active ghost face killers and the reveal that there's a lot more going on here and that nobody is on sync. The ghost face are clearly not in sync with each other. So there's that. Okay. So then we get into the movie. Um, we, get, we get into catching up with our characters from the last movie. We see that, you know, the high school kids are integrated in college. Um, Melissa, not Melissa, but um, Sam is out here, you know, trying to look after Tara. Tara's not feeling it. Sam is also trying to cope with this whole, you know, I survived a massacre that was caused by my boyfriend who is obsessed with my illegitimate father's, um, not illegitimate, but my father's, um, killing spree that he did, you know, so many years ago. And, you know, it still kind of gave, the, the thing about that whole thing that, you know, what stuck out to me is the fact that, Sam had been like for some reason blamed for the murders in terms of that people thought she actually did it and this goes into one of the reasons why I really love this movie because the thing that Scream 6 did for I mean, the thing that I love about Scream 6 is that the radio silence 
paid attention to what the fans were saying. And they are listening to theories. They're listening to complaints about um, Melissa Barrera's um, Sam Carpenter, which is, I thought was kind of like not cool. Um, the, not a lot of complaints. Now, granted, she's no Sydney Prescott, but you know, she doesn't have to be pretty, pretty. She does not have to be Sydney Prescott. She is her own character. And I would not want somebody to try to emulate Sydney Prescott. You know, unlike Sydney, Sam is like, you know, um, I'm not trying to move ahead because I know the significance of my father's lineage or my, my, or as for her, her, her lineage, her father was a killer. Her grandmother was a killer. And does that mean that I'm a killer? And she knows that she can't go back to a pseudo happy existence because look at how that worked for Sydney Prescott, you know, and she did not want to become another Sydney Prescott. So why would she try to emulate that character? And then we have somebody like Tara, who is just the complete opposite. She's trying to forget that anything ever happened. And I kind of see the the difference in not the generational difference because they're within the same generation. But I feel like Sam is kind of like has one foot in their previous generation and one foot in the current. And Tara and her friends are completely in the current generation where it's like, okay, that happened to me. I'm going to move on and just, you know, just, you know, go on with my life. And they're not aware of how bad the whole um Sydney Prescott or the I could see the come Sydney Prescott murders, but like the Ghostface killings from the previous two decades were, you know, uh, uh, except for um, Mindy, who, of course, you know, she um, immortal. She, what's the word I'm looking for? She idolizes her uncle, and she knows that her uncle died by being a you know by being a horror fan or whatnot, and so she's kind of picking up where he left off at. And she gets it, but it's more along the lines of like a fan than it might. I can't. Well, it might be a a, a hybrid of Mindy being a fan and being someone who clearly feels that. What's the word I'm looking for? It's she she she's someone who can can who who knows how that affected, you know, somebody from the past because her mom her mom lost her brother, and so hearing. You know how all that happened from her mother probably was, you know, an indicator for her to be like, okay, this is some serious shit. I'm gonna still live my life, but I'm gonna keep my guard up, which is cool on her part. So, and again, I don't think Sam has to worry about Mindy or Chad. You know, I think Mindy has Chad locked, you know, in terms of like, yo, we're gonna live our lives, but be cognizant of who our uncle was and how we're connected to all this shit. Now we're a part of this, the Woodsboro survivors club, you know what I'm saying? And we have to keep our, you know, guard up at all times. But Tara is just like, I'm not having any part of that. Yes. I survived the, the recent Woodsboro killings, but I'm not going to sit here and let that rule my life. And on this, on this standpoint, I can see that, but at the same time, you have to face reality um, for what it is, you know, this isn't pre um, um, 2000 or whatever, because it was kind of hard unless you was just completely immersed in true crime stuff back in the day or true, not even just true crime shows, but just like those salacious shows like inside edition, um, 
current affair and stuff like that, then you would probably be aware of who Sydney Prescott was and whatnot. Maybe a magazine or two probably did a spot on her. But now you're in the internet era. You're in the social media era where every move you make, somebody's like, you know, you're that girl. You know, you're the one who was in who was in Woodsboro when all this shit happened, you know, how you, you know, so she, she, I don't, I don't get how she felt that she could just like turn the page on it and just like not, not think that she had to revisit it. But in the midst of all this, they do meet new people. Um, You have Mindy's girlfriend, Anika, who I immediately fell in love with. You know, I love that girl. Then you had, um, What's that boy name? Ethan Landry. Yeah, Ethan. Um, who was Chad's roommate, and he just looked so out of place there. He just looked so out of place in their friend group. And I get on why that means in a few minutes. Then you had Quinn, who is the daughter of a police detective, and who who whose name is actually Wayne. Um, and you, Sam has a little boy toy named Danny. You know, um who stays across the way from her um and she's keeping her relationship with him on the low because i guess she just probably just you know the less people in my life that everybody knows about you know i don't have i don't want him to get too close to my friends and family in the event that he might be a fucking killer because you know it's always the boyfriends what dewey told her so she's kind of like you know like hey you you just a boo thing for right now, but you're going to be close to me. I'm not going to sit there and have you give any of my friends and my um, sister's numbers, blah, blah, blah. You're just going to stay your ass over there and I call you when I want a booty call or something like this. So in the midst of all of this, uh, like I said, as we all know, the murders went down, uh, shit's done popped off and, you know, we get the great um, bodega scene in his foot on his, in this entirety and I like how the um, Carpenter sisters are just handling this new ghost face, even though it's kind of like a creepy kid. This motherfucker's got a shotgun and he's blowing folks asses away and stuff. And I just like how that ghost face was just like a, um, yeah, I done knocked off these two ghost face killers and I'm still ready to go, you know? And he went after the asses like all in one night. And now, um, but let me, back it up a little bit to talk about um the scenario that sam has found herself in when i i kind of started on it but kind of like drifted away from it the whole idea the social media theory or the reddit theory or whatever you want to call those other sites because I'm, I'm not on reddit i don't like reddit but the fact that people were really trying to say that she killed um all those people in willsboro the previous year and that she framed um Richie and Amber, which doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And I don't know if Radio Silence was trying to say, you know, this is toxic fan culture because this entire movie was I mean, I feel like this whole trilogy is about toxic fan culture. Cause if if there's another movie or two, whatever, you know, the new movies are all about toxic fan culture and how vitriol it can get with these people. The reason why I say that is because despite logic and hello forensics proving that amber and richie were the ones who were the killers why the fuck would you sit there and say amber not amber but uh sam did all this shit and framed richie and amber now granted they could have said that sam was the ringleader and she just let them fall uh, take the fall for it but there's forensics all over the place that shows you that you know this was not the case 
I mean, but that doesn't fly on anybody's radar when it comes to reality. Um, especially people who have this urge to just hate somebody, you know, and the whole, the scene where the girl threw the soda on Sam and then when the shit got played back online, it was like as if Sam attacked her. And that's just how toxic motherfuckers are. You know, it's just you throw a punch and then the person who you hit hits you back. Oh, I cannot believe you just did that. Where, when did this start? When did this, when did this idea of I'm going to sit here and say what the fuck I want to say to you come in here in your personal space, which can be your Instagram page, your Twitter feed or your Facebook post, and just sit here and say some real off the wall shit. And then when that person turns around and digs in your ass, you become a victim. That is asinine to me. That is so fucking wild that you would actually sit there and that people are actually out here thinking this way. Like, what the fuck is wrong with folks? You know what I'm saying? And so I'm glad they conveyed that. And it's funny because there's certain people out there but when this movie was being made that were doing the exact same thing. It was like, you would sit there and make a, t- a post about something. I've talked about it on here before. You would sit there and make a post about something, how you felt about something, and somebody would come back at you either in your DMs or on your on your page and tell you how you made them feel like shit because you posted something that you didn't that that, that they didn't like or they felt that you was a they, um that you were attacking them. Like that was a personal attack towards me. It is like y'all what is wrong with y'all like are y'all okay you know and it it's just it's scary it's scary and a lot of people were saying that they felt the screen six was stupid and that it wasn't scary no you have to differentiate the fear of like like you know blood and guts and chase scenes and shit like that and the because, I mean, if you've been through all so many horror movies, you know, if you're if you're a horror fan, this I'm not saying that as a horror fan that certain horror should not scare you. I'm just saying that Scream is not saying it's not scary, but it should not be about like how ghastly this can be. Should I'm just saying that take away the reality of the situation in terms of like, um, when it comes to the commentary that they're site they're talking about, because you don't know who's going to pop off next. That's to me, the scariest aspect of scream is that it talks about stuff that is actually happening. Just coding it with, you know, slashers and Ghostface and, you know, funny quips from the, you know, new hip cast and all this stuff. But when you sit there and break, you strip all this stuff away, that's fucking scary that somebody is in that mind frame to be like, I'm going to victimize. I'm, I'm going to become a victim, but I'm going to torture you. And the first time that you retaliate, I'm going to go into victim mode. That is not cool. And it's scary because that's just the society that we're living in right now. And it's also, I'm not saying that New York city, because again, <clears throat> I've never been to New York city a day in my life, but New York city represents a lot of um, people in big cities and they're just constantly involved in their own shit and they don't look out 
Like they don't look at the fact. And I'm saying that this is all New Yorkers. I'm talking about people in general. It's just that people are involved with their own shit and they do not look at some of the fuckery that they do. They think that they're doing something as a, you know, a crusade or something, but it's not even the case. It's just you're, you're screwed mentally, you know? And I don't know, but that's just something I want to touch on because moving forward, you know, we get the reintroduction of um, Hayden, Pan- Hayden Pan- Panetaria. Um, oh, I can't pronounce, never pronounce that girl's name. Uh, Hayden Panetaria's um, Kirby. And I know a lot of people was like, you know, what, what did she bring to the movie? And I felt like she brought a lot because one, she was supposed to come back and scream five, but they thought that it was took away from the main story. Because let's face it, if she'd have came back in Screen Five, it'd like okay, so you survived. How this, this, and that, and you're trying to focus on this new group of people, and then you know it's or rather establish them as they interact with the core um, OGs, which is you know Sydney, Gale, and Dewey, and then you know it's only that those three was enough. Those three were enough, and the way that they were inserted into the overall story made sense. Um, I feel like it was executed well, and I feel like this is a better way of them bringing Hayden back or Kirby back because she's grown and she has knowledge of the situation. And I felt like because we don't have Dewey, um, we don't have what Gail's in New York City, so it makes sense for her to be there, you know, trying to cover everything. But in terms of somebody coming in that is aware of the shit that happened previously it kind of reminds me of dewey coming back or dewey going to windsor college to check on check in on sydney and randy you know uh and i feel like hayden panetera even though she didn't interact with the previous with the new group of kids in the last movie her coming back on an fbi um authority you know made sense because I feel like at this point in time, the ghost face killings should be on the radar of FBI anyway. Um, I, because this is just, <laughs> it's kind of like a domestic terrorist attack. If you think about it, um, you have these murders that pop up ever so often. And it's like, why, you know, what's going on now? What's the motive now? You know, all this shit. And so I feel like Kirby's presence there as an FBI agent made sense. I know a lot of people didn't like her being there. They didn't like her hair, Tavon. But uh, I felt like her presence was great. It was, Even though she didn't dominate the movie, um, she was just that holdover there to just be like, okay, I know what y'all are going through and I'm going to provide as much um, assistance as needed. Um, but as the movie went down, you know, shit popped off. One of my favorite, um, uh, what's not my favorite, my favorite kill was the, um, actually opening kill. Um, the most upsetting kill was Anika's because even though she was gutted technically and she still was standing strong, um, her falling off that ladder was just heart wrenching after she sat there and said, baby, I don't want to die. I mean, nobody wants to die. I'm just saying that the fact that she voiced that and she really meant it and the fact that Ghostface was like, you know what? I'm not finna sit here and do all this struggling. I'm just gonna, I'm not finna sit here on this ladder. I'm just gonna shake this motherfucker and just throw your ass over. And that was just so ruthless. Seeing that she was already hurt, like he'd already done enough damage as it was, um, it, just, it was just heartbreaking. 
And also, one thing about this scene that upset me was the fact that Sam could have uh, let the girls go first, uh, Mindy and Anika, because, or Annika, how you pronounce her name, because she could have at least fought back Ghostface if he came if he came into the um, room. She already had boarded the, the room up and stuff like that for him to not be able to get in. I think if Mindy had helped her with the bed and got the bed over there, then Mindy should have went first and then had Anika right behind her and then Sam could have easily, quickly got across the ladder and then, you know, um, yeah. And Gray on his podcast and Bobby Tamon and Mike on Scream Kings both brought up something that it just didn't dawn on me because I just, you know, but they were saying, like, where did Danny get... Why would Danny need a fucking ladder that damn tall on a, in New York City in an apartment like that? And I'm like, who's this to say he's not an artist of some sort? You know, he just used the ladder to go do... You know, some people just, you know... they People have weird shit in their apartments in New York City, like kayaks and shit, you know? So, uh, I don't know. It just... I don't know. It just felt... It, it was just funny to me. But with all this going on, I was going to say also that... The switcheroo with the well, let's just let jump to the end. The reveal of the killers was amazing. At the same time, I was like, uh, when Quinn, because you everybody pretty much sussed out Ethan was the killer. Why they didn't whip his ass beforehand, um, is beyond me though. But I kind of felt that with the trailer that seeing that shrine to all the ghost face killers was just like how in the fucking hell did somebody get access to all this equip all this evidence that's all it was that was just a a room of evidence that was an evidence room for the ghost face killings and i mean they still had blood on some of the knives and stuff like that the clothes you know it just it was just like somebody of some type of police authority had to have had access to that now in the movie um, Kirby was like, you know, police do shitty shit to make money on the side. And I said, yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, I've read stuff where, you know, I've seen true crime shows and read stuff where cops, you know, some piece of evidence got out or something like that. But the reason why I say all that is because I said either Kirby is a part of this or it's somebody who is in the either one in the law enforcement field or two, they had a connection to somebody in the law enforcement field that could give them the, the work. So the only two people that was involved in law enforcement was Kirby and detective uh, Bailey. So I was like, but why would detective Bailey have to, you know, why would he do that? Then you get to the movie theater and realize that detective Bailey and um, Quinn are, father and daughter and then Quinn mentioned something about when they lost her brother a couple of years ago I'm like a, a year or so ago I'm like that bitch is either the brother to either Richie or uh uh Wes because we don't know who Judy Hicks was fucking around with we don't know who who fathered Wes because I also thought that you know because I wasn't betting on Richie Cause I felt in my mind that if Sam was dating Richie, then she should have at least met his folks at one time. <clears throat> so 
unless Richie could have lied, but you know, of course he probably lied, you know, to, to keep the ruse up, whatnot. But it just would have been odd for her not to have met his folks of some caliber. So they probably met he she probably met Richie's mom. I don't know if Richie's mom was even still alive. If the if she is, that's a potential killer for Scream Seven, but I'm getting ahead of myself. But it I actually um thought that Quinn and um uh, Detective Bailey were like related to Wes. I was like, maybe Quinn is Wes's half sister or some shit like that, because that's the only person I was thinking about. And because I'm like, and I think another reason why I was going for a Wes is because I did not want Richie to be like, I didn't want his shadow to be in this movie and stuff like that. Because again, he's, he was just a copycat killer. He wasn't like iconic, but looking back at the movie, you know, knowing now, knowing now what I could have known then it seems that Richie has like this weird ass cult following, which I'm gonna get into in a minute. But, um, yeah, it just, it was kind of, the reason why I said, um, Quinn, well, not like Quinn, I, I felt that Ethan was a straight off, you know, like odd person to have in that group. It's because he just didn't present himself well enough you know he didn't he just seemed he was there as a reaction you know he was just there to react to the shit that was going on and whatnot and he didn't have anything standing out and you take this back to scream too because and i'm gonna get to this later on the um show how scream six is pretty much an homage to scream two it's not a ripoff i can't believe i can't hate people say that but you have somebody like mickey in scream two who is, you know, he's kind of like a reactionary person, but he still had a personality that, you know, he he was pre, um, present, if I if that, if that makes more sense. He was present with all the shit that was going on. And the scenes that he was in, you know, it wasn't like he was just there like, oh God, I can't believe this is happening. He was just like, you know, oh, you know, blah, 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 blah. He had a personality with him that stuck out and made him somewhat likable. You know what I'm saying? And Ethan just wasn't given that. He just wasn't. Um, and I forgot to mention the actor's name, whose name is Jack Champion. But yeah, Ethan was just not given that. And it's not the actor's fault. It's just the way that you have this new group of people and you know that he's either a body bag or he's a killer. He's one of those two. And the fact that he all of a sudden just fell in with everybody when the shit hits the fan after Nika dies and uh, allegedly Quinn it was just like, yeah, something's up with you. And it wasn't that much of a surprise. I think the surprise came in the fact that this is the first time that there has actually been um, more than two Ghostface killers because technically there's five in this movie. You have Jason and you have his uh, roommate, Greg. So, uh, you know, that's it, you know. But then you had Quinn. Uh, but then you have Quinn, Detective Bailey, and Ethan. Quinn was a shock, but once the shock wore off, I said they did this already with um, Roman. Um, and that's a whole other episode about the complete, not erasure, but the complete, like, oh, my, I hate when I get on here and the words just go away from me, but the complete ignoring of romance is well i'm just gonna leave it at that uh because 
I know Kirby said something about like he was the only, you know, uh, Ghostface killer that do a killing spree on his own. Like, you know, he he had, you know, she like whipped the dude. I'm like, y'all really hate Scream 3. <laughs> but the thing of the matter is, is that uh, Roman pretty much orchestrated all the first trilogy. He technically orchestrated the first trilogy. And, you know, he, you know, you got to give him that credit. But um when Quinn revealed herself, I'm like, she all like they already did that in Scream 3, where you know Roman played like he was dead to throw everybody off the scent. And you're just like, okay, if Roman's dead, if um Jennifer Jolie's dead, if Angelina's dead, all these people are dead, all the new people are dead, who the fuck is still standing? And then he pops out and it's just like, oh shit. And then he reveals that he's Sydney's half-brother. It was like, oh shit. It was more. I don't want to say poetic, but it was it, it hit harder when it happened. Now, Quinn's reveal works for Scream 6 because, you know, they thought they had got a dead body thrown on them from the room. But the fact that the detective went in and switched out bodies, it's just, just wild. Like, who did he kill? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, whose body is in the morgue that was officially, originally um, Quinn's body? You know, like, that's a dangling thread that it's not really on anybody's mind but it sure stayed on mine but uh yeah so we have five Ghostface killers in one movie and I like how the Carpenter sisters took out Quinn, Bailey and Ethan um I felt that it was very you know it was what we needed once you see those goddamn um tank tops those grayish tank tops come on uh, be revealed it's like it's go time you know what i'm saying and granted tara didn't have one but i'm pretty sure she had some on under it you know to, to you know you know to make up for what she had on but when sam gets in that tank top it's, it's go time it's go time and let me rewind back a little bit and go to the gale scene um the brutality of it all Gail coming in and doing her thing was amazing. I kind of felt that her pop again during the news conference, not news conference, but the um girls leaving the police station was kind of cartoonish a little bit. But once that punch landed from Tara, I was like, yo, okay, we're back on track now. So I like that Gail came in, but she didn't take over the movie again. You know what I'm saying? It made sense for Ghostface to try to comfort Gail only because Gail inserted herself into the situation by one, not, not because she contacted the girls, she found the shrine. And like Bailey said, he wasn't expected for Gail to do all of that. So he was like, I got to knock this bitch out, you know? So he had, you know, I think that was Quinn who went after Gail. Um, but if not Quinn, it, it had to be Quinn because, um, wait, didn't they say that it had to be, Quinn, but I get to in a minute because it could have been somebody else, you know. Like I said, I'm gonna get to it in a minute. But um, the fact that Quinn, um, I'm not Quinn, but the fact that Gail went through all this shit, she Gail has been. Let me see. She's been punched once, twice, three times. Um, technically, then she had got shot in the same area. She got gutted in this movie. Then she um had got stabbed in the shoulder. Then she got, like I said, gutted pretty much in this movie from both sides. And and then she, she's still standing. And she, I know the joke that um Cotton Weary said in uh, Scream 2 is like, damn, Gail, you got the lies of a cat. 
So technically she's all like, let me see. One, two, three, uh, four. She has like five lives left, but honey, I don't need, I mean, when I tell you I screamed and cried in the theater when Gail told Sam and um, Tara, please tell Sydney that I didn't let him get me. And then she kind of like went out and I thought she had died. I was like, I don't need this shit. You know, I don't need this shit right now. And so when that woman, when the paramedic came in and said, we got a low pulse, get her ass to the emergency room ASAP. And she needs to sit her ass down. Like she don't need to be on talk TV anytime soon. And she sure as hell don't need to write another goddamn book. I'm kind of pissed off that she wrote a book about the um, recent Woodsboro killings, but I guess it was because she had to make that money. And people probably was like, look, Gail, you're the number one uh, person who is, no, the the author of these things, you know, it was kind of like James, what was his name? John Holzer, who did all those damn, um, no, Hans Holzer, who did all those Amityville books. So it makes sense for her to do another one. Um, But at the same time, I was kind of mad that she did it on the scale of the previous ones. You know, she could have done something different with it. But anyway, because she must have did something pretty fucked up for, um, for Tara and um, Sam to come for her throat. But I love the scene. Uh, like my buddy Josh um said, he was like, yo, Ghostface said some real mean shit. Like he was coming for the juggler. I'm like, yeah. And the poor black guy that was her boyfriend or something like that. I'm like, sir, we didn't get a name. We didn't get uh a scene. We just got you answer the phone. Like, like uh, I don't know if it's Taymon or somebody said like her butler or something like that. But it's just the fact that, you know, dude, you get get. And again, you're unnamed. It's so many unnamed bodies in this movie. It's ridiculous. Like if previous movies, everybody got killed, pretty much had a name. You probably had like one body that didn't have a name. Like in Screen Five, the, the detective, not the detective, the officer who was in the hospital, that got his throat slashed. You know, um, but pretty much everybody before had a name. You know, even the, some of the cops that got killed, like the FBI agents in Screen Two, and. Um, what um uh, Haas and uh, I forgot the other guy's name is Screen Four, you know. So it was just like a lot of nameless bodies. Like you know, we don't know who the the Bodega Three who got killed were. <laughs> we don't know who this chick that the detective switched out for the uh for Quinn's body is, and we don't know who this black guy is that was with Gail. So pretty pretty sad. Um, moving on from Gail, uh, I also wanted to talk about the reason why uh. Sydney's presence. Cause I know a lot of people were bitching about this before the movie went to production about the pay um dispute between um between Nev Campbell and you no, know, I think it was Spyglass or Paramount. Um, like I mean, I'm not gonna seriously act like clearly they didn't know. They don't know the new owners of the franchise don't know Nev Campbell's worth. Blah 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 and all this stuff. I understand that. But if you look at this movie as a whole, as much as I'm a big Sydney's Prescott stand, do you see anywhere in this movie that she could have been a part of? You know, it's just like, and not only that, but her being in this movie and making out, making it out again unscathed. Um, sure, she got stabbed in screams four and uh, three, four and five, um, and even the scream one. But the fact of the matter is that she, her, she, she 
earned her happy ending at the end of Scream 3. I know a lot of people like to shit on that movie, though, but I feel like that was the end of C.D. Prescott's journey with this whole ghost face bullshit. The only reason why she came back into it in Scream 4 is because she just don't have to be at the wrong place at the wrong time, and she so happened to be the, the niece or the cousin to the latest killer, um, Jill. And Jill wanted to become her. That made sense because I feel like Screen 4 was more of a reunion movie. Like, let's check in on these characters after 10 years, you know, type situation. Uh, Screen 5, same situation. But again, Nev Campbell's involvement in Screen 5 made sense because somebody of the original three had to go for Sidney Prescott to step foot back in Woodsboro. That scene, watching again recently, Screen 5, between the the phone call between Dewey and Sydney was all I needed, you know, and it made sense. When Dewey told Sydney, hey, don't come back here, Sydney just straight up told him, I have no reason to come back to Willsboro. I'm sorry. Um, you take care. I'm going to keep jogging with my little girls, you know, about my babies, you know what I'm saying? And then Dewey dies. And Sydney knows that for Dewey to die, it might be something connected to her again. And she wants to take care of it. I'm pretty sure Gail filled her in on the whole Sam is Billy Loomis's daughter and all this shit. Uh, or, or, you know, something else. Somebody else probably, she probably read up on it or something like that. Um, that's if, I just realized something. Who would have told her? How, how would she have known that? Uh, I don't think Gail would have told her because Gail didn't know it either unless Sam told her after the fact. But um, I don't know. But either way, Sydney came back to handle business because she was like, I cannot sleep at night knowing that this motherfucker is still out here and my children can be in danger. That makes sense. She came home, passed the torch to Sam and Tara. And it's like, this is y'all shit now. I'm out. And it should have been like that. Um, I really wasn't expecting um Nev Campbell to come back for Scream Six because I was like, it looks like she she was done. So when people was like, well, you can't have a Scream movie without Nev Campbell, and you know, I'm like, but you motherfuckers sat there ate up three seasons of Scream the TV series because they were saying it back then, you can't have a Scream show, a movie, a, a, a TV show about Scream and not have you know the cast, the original cast in it. True enough, they changed the story around and I don't think it even was set in the same universe as the movie series. But the fact of the matter is, is that it was Scream, you know, it was, you know, it was Scream-esque, but it wasn't Scream. And then when season three came out and we got the whole Ghostface mask return back, you know, it was just like, okay, we can't envision them. I think that's why a lot of people didn't like the third season. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a bad season. It was just, um... It was, I don't know, I, I'm not going to sit there and defend it, but um, yeah, it just, I think a lot of people were just off put uh, um, by the fact that she wasn't going to be in the movie. I already told you the whole scenario I had with the um, spoilers and stuff like that, but looking at this movie now, I just didn't see where Sydney could have been. Um, I initially thought that Sydney was the one who called Kirby to go up there and check on some shit, but it's like, why would Sydney want to put Kirby in the line of fire? Um... Then Gail was like, you know, A, Sydney gives her condolence, gives her best and this, this, and that, and she's to earn her happy ending, so she's not coming, which made sense. Sydney was like, you know, A, um, that's not about me no more. You know, um, that's something to deal with Sam. Now, granted, Sydney could be 
like a mentor of some sort. But again, where was she? If, if you bring in Sydney Prescott, it takes away from the new characters. Uh, it's kind of like what show is that? Um, it's a lot of show like um, you know, like we got these um, sequel shows on. You know, if you have, for instance, um, Gossip Girl. I know it got canceled, but still. They brought in Georgina Sparks because Georgina Sparks is messy. She's there to fuck up shit. And plus she brought in, they, but they brought in Georgina Sparks to fuck with the person who was Gossip Girl. And Georgina, I don't think was, because I didn't finish season two, she was not in the midst of all the, the teen shit. You know, that wasn't her thing. But you don't, if they'd have, what I'm trying to say is if they'd have brought back Blair, Serena, Dan, all of them back, it would have took away from the new cast like that. Like, you know, so you have to utilize your OGs where they're needed and don't oversaturate your legacy characters to the point where nobody cares about the new blood. You know what I'm saying? So, and that's even the same thing about the new people that was put in this movie. Like, you know, the, the Anikas, the Queens, the Ethans, you know, we got to know a little bit about them, but not as much because we're still building the um, core four, you know, and this whole, um, what's the way I'm looking for this whole, like mysterious ghost face, um, cult and whatnot. So Sydney was not needed. Um, if they want to bring in Sydney for the final screen movie, which is implausible because I think that there's going to be screen movies forever. Uh, probably each generation is going to probably get their own set of screen movies. They, they might get to the point where they're not even connected to the original uh, movie. Like nobody's related to any of the original uh, cast, cast members or characters from the original trilogy or anything like that. It's going to be just a whole new group of people whole new scenario and the only returning aspect would be Ghostface because that's just the world that you no know, um, people are crazy I'm, that's what Scream is saying like society is crazy and this is how they're taking it out on everybody else um, I know I mentioned on Scream Kings I was wondering who called Kirby and I told you a few minutes ago that I felt that Kirby like City probably called Kirby but not even that I just felt that it was odd for Kirby to have this weird um, they made sure to stick on it for a minute like you know Kirby gets this phone call I got oh, I gotta take this you know and she looks at the phone and is like oh I gotta take this you know not saying that it had to be of significance but it was just you know kind of you know hmm, you know so um another thing I want to talk about was the implausibility of the invincible of, of the let me say uh implausible invincibility because clearly People do not die from stab wounds in these movies. As bad as Tara got stabbed and they had a broke her leg broken up pretty badly. And then um let me see who then you know how can I put it? Judy Hicks got gutted. Like she got stabbed the fuck up. I don't know if Amber knew the points to kill um Judy Hicks in or whatnot, but she got her ass. And then you have Dewey who got stabbed in the back and then gutted but he died but then you got Chad who got stabbed in the side twice um, in Scream 5 and he's up walking like ain't nothing happening now then he gets stabbed the fuck up in this movie and he still is up 
you know, um, walking around. Gail's getting stabbed, but she's like not like they're not going for a headshot or they try to go for a headshot, but they're kind of, I, basically what I'm trying to say is, is that do not try to go out and stab somebody be like, okay, well, you know, I can stab this bitch and make sure she don't, you know, to get her off of me or something like that. Or somebody pissed me off. I'm going to stab the ass. Not saying that people, I don't know. Some people, some of y'all out there might be crazy to do some shit like that, but you will die from a stab wound in the places that they actually had the stab wounds that the, 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 the um, survivors of the, of the, no, what I'm trying to say is that Chad should have been dead. Mindy should have been dead. Um, Hell, Sam, not Sam, but um, Tara should have got been dead the way she got stabbed in the theater. Um, yeah, it's just they, they, it's just implausible. <laughs> that's all. That's all I can put it. It's just implausible for these people to be still standing the way they've been gutted. And on top of that, um, if they do survive these wounds, then they should have some type of after tick or something like that look at Dewey true enough he lost his um he lost his what you call it uh limp and scream four uh but I feel that you know he would he limped to scream three he limped to scream five um I feel like Tara should have had a limp because her leg was fucked up you know and I mean fucked up really bad <laughs> so I was expecting Tara to have some sort of a limp you know, let some of these wounds show themselves in these characters. Let them like feel like they're vulnerable. That way, we can be like, okay, you know, because Gail comes back in Scream Seven and she's still walking around, strutting high heels like ain't shit happened to her. I'm gonna be like, y'all, stop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, stop with the fuckery. You know, Gail should be not it. Not, not trying to say she should be no walker, but she should be like with a cane or something like that. And a badass cane at that, like a pearl tip in it or something like that, or you know, something like that. And just, you know, don't 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 be out here walking around like ain't shit going on with you, you know. But that's just there for that. Um also, like I said earlier, the movie was a parallel to Scream 2 on purpose. Uh, I think a lot of people was like, this is just a rehash of Scream 2, the killers of a, a parent and um then you i mean the, the killer was a parent not a parent like you know clear but just you know one of the killers ends up being the parent of a previous killer and you know it's a family matter thing but um i think that was on purpose i mean they knew what they were doing that's why they gave us a college scene uh on, on blackmore campus and they kind of utilize the theater again, like from the end of Scream 2, they utilize another theater, and then we got, um, like I said, I feel like Kirby served as like Dewey coming back to campus. Um, I feel like Kirby was serving as Dewey coming to Windsor campus or coming to Blackmore, Blackmore University to, um, you know, uh, check in on the new group, and the fact that they had the uh, sorority that um, wanted to um, Omega Beta Zeta who wanted Sydney to pledge if I'm not mistaken I forgot which sorority it was um, it was yeah because I forget uh, CeCe's sorority at this point I should I know a bad screen fan for that though but still those sororities can get mixed up very easily uh, trust me being on the college campus and they do have multiple chapters in different places so 
there's like always going to be chapters of different sororities. Uh, it's going to be chapters, different chapters of the Cyrus sorority across the a board. But um, what else? Um, so after, that's pretty much my thoughts of the movie. Like I said, um, the one thing that I took away from the you know the movie was that again, this is another you know take on toxic um, and vitriolic fandom. You know, a vitriolic fandom. You know, so uh, because. I don't want to say you screen fans because I'm a screen fan, but us screen fans can be rabid as fuck about this franchise. And I've seen the ugly side of that. And not just in the screen franchise, but in other like um, realms of of fandom, like Star Wars and even like the Marvel movies now and the DC movies are just, oh, they just, it's, when you have a fandom like that, that tends to like get to the point where they want to just hurt somebody or just ruin everybody else's enjoyment of what we all love. It is very sad. It's scary. It's, it makes you not want to like the thing that you like. I mean, I had to dip out of Star Trek back in the day before they brought us, you know, um, discovering everything because people, did not like you know certain aspects of Voyager. I know I'm just for those who are aware of the Star Trek shows, like they didn't like Voyager. Some people didn't like Enterprise. Um and they voiced that opinion. And I'm not saying that you can't voice your opinion. I'm just saying that you have to not attack those who think differently than you. You know, granted, some people can sit there and say, well Mark, you come from people who think differently than you. Usually it's all in jest you know what i'm saying it's like okay you didn't like screen three okay well fuck you <laughs> but i'm usually saying that in terms of like oh if it's somebody that i know and i'm cool with i would say it on a jest manner like okay when well, you don't have good taste blah 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 if it's somebody i don't know if i go on twitter or instagram or facebook or any of those social media sites and be like some i see somebody just had this long diatribe about screen three is the most horrendous thing ever in the franchise, I'm going to keep scrolling. I'm not going to sit there and um, engage. If I do engage or if I do see somebody else talk about it, or if it gets, if it stays in my mind, I might make a, make a post about it on my own personal stuff, but I'm not going to call out anybody. You know what I'm saying? Because usually, especially if it's a group of people talking about how much they hate screen three or how much they hate this or how much they hate that and something like that. But you know, I'm not going to engage. Now, if you come on my page and start some shit, then it's, it's all bets are off. You know, it's on, you know, but uh, other than that, I didn't come on your page and say anything nasty to you. Therefore, you don't come on my page and say anything nasty to me. But when the lines get crossed is when people jump that line of um, respectability to call themselves um, telling you off or taking up for their franchise or the good people of the franchise or whatnot it's it's not a good look honey it's really not um and also when they go to especially when they go to like racial or um um homosexual not homosexual but homophobic or you know you know anti-semitic levels of just fuckery just to sit there and prove a point it's like when you get to that juvenile level that level of juvenile behavior you know you need to expect 
a very strict and adult way of handling things. You know what I'm saying? So some people might block, some people might um, report and then block, and some people might engage, tear your ass to shreds, or as my girls Jazz and Cat say, dog walk the fuck out of you on social media in front of everybody, then block and, um, you know, report. So you have to be ready for what's coming at you. And the whole thing about the Bailey family or the Kish family sitting there and trying to ruin Sam through social media and all this was just like, they knew how to utilize the fan base of the stab movies and of those people who are into true crime. They knew how to utilize. They used the Reddits. They used the 4chans and all this shit to get people to hate this woman. And, you know, who was just a victim. Grant, and now, Sidney Prescott was living in this... I feel like if Sidney Prescott was living in... If the shit that happened in the in 96 happened now, she would be going through the exact same thing. Because, you know, it just seems that people... They don't want to, they don't want to cheer or help the victim. They want to be the victim, if that makes any sense. So, uh, leaving off on that and going into my prediction for Scream 7, I'm just going to read them off and I have five, six predictions. Um, One, which is I've said in Scream Kings and I also said on Grey Matter, and I'm going to say it again here, Tara is Sam's anchor to sanity. And her trigger to becoming a killer because Sam got giddy when she was, when she was stabbing Bailey. Um, she seemed like she was at home <laughs> and she had the same giddiness when she was fucking up Richie. And I feel that Sam is, I, I don't know if she might be a Dexter in terms of like she gets thrills off of killing serial killers or those who try to attack her family. But as far as her going out and just killing some random, I don't know. However, I believe that Tara is her constant, if you will, who, if anything happens to Tara in the next screen movie or, you know, whatever, that's going to be the cut from reality that Sam is going to need for her to become like completely dark, you know, so, or go on the side of her, you know, her family lineage because she still is getting visions from, um, um, Billy Loomis. And so it's, it's just a matter of time. Plus she did walk out the theater with that ghost face mask, which is evidence. And she eventually left it there at the crime scene, but only because Tara called her back to reality, you know? So, uh, it's just, or somebody else could have picked up that mask after the credits rolled and then walked off with it and, you know, did their thing, which leads me to my next, um, prediction or theory. Danny Brackett is in on this shit. Like they gave us a, um, rehash of Roman and, um, from screen four, I mean, from screen three, who's to say they won't do a, thing from screen the tv series where you think that the party like they, they call the, the survivors of screen the tv series the uh lakes the the lake the lakewood six or whatever 
was it Lakesboro or Lakewood or something like that? The Lakewood six or the Lakewood five. And then come to find out that one of the Lakewood five was actually part of the Achilles in the original <laughs> in the first season. So, uh, who to say Danny is not in on it. Um, I felt that he, he, they said he was close to Gail in terms of like he stayed close to Gail, which didn't make any sense because if he stayed close to Gail. Then that means that, um, What's her name? Um, Sam and Tara stayed close to Gail too. So I don't, I probably got that dialogue mixed up or whatnot, but I know they said that somebody stayed close to Gail, which made sense for her to be, for to be closer to the attack as it happened. And it had to have been Danny because he was the only one who was not with them when, um, while they was at the reconnaissance trying to trap Ghostface at the park, which is another parallel to Scream 2, you know, them trying to trace Ghostface's call. Um, and running around trying to figure out who's on the cell phone that's talking to Gail and um, and um, Randy at the time. So great parallel there, great homage. Um, but yeah, I think Danny's in on it. Um, I would be surprised if he's not. <laughs> but uh, I guess they're trying not to go with the boyfriend angle again. But who's to sit there and say that, um, again, they try to subvert expectations by... Uh, like they did in Screen 5 they said well, they're not going to go with the boyfriend situ uh, situation again but they did and it kind of threw a lot of people off kind of but anyway next I have no OGs unless they die and or code the franchise off with a nice blow with a nice, with a nice bow so as much as I love City Prescott I if she comes back I don't want her to die but if she died I would just accept it because but it would be a hard acceptance given the fact that I felt like she got her happy ending and she should not be involved in this shit again. Like I survived, um, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven ghost face. Oh, eight. No, nine ghost face. I survived nine ghost face for me to be taken out by some, you know, random motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think that, I just feel like she should stay away and maybe get sent in a video or a, a FaceTime call to the girls or something like that, and that'd be her goodbye. Um, although I would love to see her and Mark with the girls, at least, but maybe as a, like, you know, again, like a FaceTime call or something like that, but not in the, not in the, in the uh, what you call it, in the line of danger, you know, so Gail, if Gail comes back, I feel like she has to die uh, only because she's constantly putting her nose in the shit. And I know that's her like moneymaker because let's be honest, Ghostface did hit a nail. He did hit a, he hit it right there in the nail without Sydney, without um, Sam and Tara. She has nothing. And I feel like she, cause she lost the heart, everything when Dewey died because there was, there was no closure there really. And, um, I feel like she, after this, she just, she just, she just, oh, excuse me. After this, she should just, you know, just fade, not fade away, but just have a nice send off maybe by either dying or just retiring entirely and moving across the sea somewhere, you know, whatever. But I don't, and Kirby, if she comes back, I would be upset if she died, but I would also feel like if she did come back, that her role should be, you know, um, enhanced slightly given, you know, uh, just a bit. But outside of Gail, 
Tara, Gail and Kirby, Tara, Sam, and the, let's just say the core four. The core four of the latest Willsboro murder killings of survivors, Gail and Kirby, that's what, between them, that's six. Um, I don't need all six of them back uh, unless we get the core four, but I believe some of the core four has to go too. I don't want it to be either. I, I don't want nothing to die, but I feel that if Tara has to go for Sam to cross over, that'll be okay. Um, and I know a lot of people hate Chad and Minnie for some reason. And I don't want to, I mean, I know a lot of people don't realize that the, the core for all people of color or minorities, they have um, Tara and Sam who are Latina and um, you have Mindy and Chad who are half black and we have Mindy, who is uh, LGBT, you know, she's a um, queer character. So it's like, I know a lot of people, especially white folks, don't like the fact that they're surviving. <laughs> um, I know some black people, don't get me wrong, some black people don't like the fact they're surviving too. But I feel that radio silence, they're damned if they do, if they don't. So if any of those end up dying, then... Um, it's going to be a, a bunch of bullshit after it. Or if they survive, it's going to be a bunch of bullshit. So who knows, you know? So like I said, I just don't want a lot of OG standing at the end of this, you know, series. So I don't care where it takes place. Um, I know a lot of people said uh, it'd be great if they took it overseas, you know, given that, you know, the reception of the place, taking the movie taking place and screen. Um, People said that by Scream 6 taking place in New York City, that it was a big, you know, boost for the franchise and that it should take place somewhere else. I don't care. I know it'd be kind of weird for them to go back to Woodsboro, um, but it's kind of like you you can do something else besides Woodsboro, but it's like, I don't know. So I don't know. I don't care where it goes. It would make sense if it ended in Woodsboro, but I feel like, the citizens of Willsboro got to the point now where they're like, um, yeah, we're good. We had enough carnage. You know, we've had, let me see, one, two, three killing sprees there. So they're good. So they can be like, we, 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 we're not, we're not waiting for that. So I don't care where it's at. Speaking of people being on it, could the Meeks twins be on it? Like could, could Mindy and Chad be in on the murders? Um, reason why I bring, I, I present this is because when they all went to the same university, or rather like Chad, Mindy and Tara all went to the same university, um, Sam came to look after Tara. Um, me personally, if I was Chad or Mindy, I would have steered clear from any type of like if, if if let's just say like this if Tara went west I'd have went east if Tara went south I'd have went north you know what I'm saying only because um we know that wherever Tara goes Sam's gonna follow so it seems like the um what's the, the process of uh, the, um, just plausible um, pl um it makes sense for if there's still a ghost face killer out there that has it out for Tara and Sam, that they would go elsewhere. You know what I'm saying? 
And on top of that, I just don't see, like, I would have saw at least Mindy going to Windsor College to sit there and finish off Randy's education there, if that makes any sense. You know, to sit there and be where her uncle died and stuff like that because she idolized her uncle so much, it would have made sense for her to go to Windsor and maybe Chad go somewhere else or maybe somewhere closer to his sister, but not at Windsor. And Sam go, I'm going to say, um, and Tara go to Blackmore College because we don't know what their majors were. You know, we knew Sydney was a theater major. We knew that Randy was a film major. Um, hell, we knew that Derek was a, um, I think Derek was a medical major or something like that. I don't know what Hallie was, but we still knew that what some of the film majors, what some of the majors were for the Scream 2 cast. I don't even know what Tara went to school for. I don't even know what Mindy and Chad went to school for. So it's just, you know, the reason why I bring all this up is because it, 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 it doesn't it didn't make any sense for Chad and Minnie to be at the same university as Tara. Granted, they wanted all of them at the same place. I understand that. That's the only place the only way that they can get them in one location and for shit to pop off. But again, um you would think that they would want to fuck up the expectations of those who are still out there to get them. So just that's just the I know that's just a plausibility on my end. So uh I can't help but to think that Mindy and Chad are in on it. That would be a big twist and would lead me into my final um uh, prediction for Scream Seven or just theory for Scream Seven. Um the Kish Cabal Cabal. And I'm not that's not a joke. That's not a um, you know, uh play on words, but it's just I believe that there is a cabal of people of um, Richie Kitch, Kitch, Kitcher, whatever his name is, fans out there who, like Jason said at the beginning of Screen Six, trying to finish Richie's movie or his new French or his new trilogy or whatnot. And again, this leads back to these Reddit forums and stuff like that. I believe that there's like a Reddit form of Screen, of Screen, of Stab fans who are next in line Ghostface killers. You know, so if one falls, the next one is called or something like that, you know, because Kirby said she was trailing these guys from uh, Atlanta. They came out of Atlanta. Jason and Greg, they came out of Atlanta and now they're up here in New York City. And so who's to sit there and say that Kirby doesn't um, have like uh, a lead on all of these ghost face killers and waiting and the only reason why Kirby came is because, you know, shit, my two um my my two sus suspects are now dead. Who's in on it? Clearly this is they they're not in on this together. So who is this? This is somebody off my radar. You know, so that's another reason why I felt that Kirby it made sense for her to be there. Cause, you know, somebody needs to keep up with the ghost face killers and stuff like that because they keep popping up. So who's to say that Mindy, Chad, and Danny are not a part of this um, cabal? Because yes, Mindy is Randy's niece, but who's to say that she's not a rabbit stab fan? You know what I'm saying? Like she, you know, her uncle died because this shit true enough, but who's to say that she wasn't like upset with the most recent outing? I think it was stab eight or seven. And they want to make their own stab film, and she could probably be like, "Oh, well, I'm the I'm a re, um, relative of Randy Meeks. Would it be messed up if we could sit there and have like a new stab movie with me and my brother in it, and we can carry on this whole new trilogy and something like that? And then who's to sit there and say that she might not end up being the survivor? Like, 
they could make their own stab movie and have Mindy and um, Chad be like the new Dewey, Gale, and um, Sydney. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, who's to sit there and say that's not the case? Or they could sit there and just do something that's totally different. Because another thing about fandom is that what one person think is good for the franchise, somebody else might not. So there might be some staff fans out there who feel like it has to be about City Prescott. And it could be some out there who feel like, no, it doesn't have to be about City Prescott. It could be about a whole new group of characters and we could just do it that way. So you might have a group of staff, like Ghostface fans out there who are, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Who are not on the same page and they're going to constantly, constantly clash moving forward. So, it might be a new series. The next movie could be about a group of damn ghost face killers just killing each other. You know what I'm saying? And then one of them accidentally kills Tara, activates uh, Sam's dark side. Sydney comes out of the woodwork to be like, okay, uh, I got to put you down because you done fucked up. And so it could be that, or it could be, you know, Sydney's nowhere need to be found. And Somebody else takes out um, Sam. Maybe it's Wendy and Chad, you know, but because they kept building on this whole core four family aspect of Scream 6, you know, family, the whole movie is about family. You have a family that stays together, slays together. You have the family that survives together, stays together. You know, this all from both parallels, from the killers and the survivors, everything is about family. Even Kirby mentioned something about like, you know, we're a part of this big, crazy family now, you know, so it's all about family. So, you build up this family unit. What happens when this family unit, you know, um, crashes and burns, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a, there's a killer in the family. There's a, there's a black sheep of the family or something like that. So, and that's all my predictions. And one last thing I do want to mention is, um, Christine, um, Carpenter. Is it, what's her name? Christine Carpenter. I don't know. Yeah. It has to be Christine Carpenter, but I don't know if it's, I don't know what, Sam and um, Tara's mother. She has cut them off. Um, why? You know, we still don't know who the fuck this woman is. And I feel like she has to play in the next movie at some, at some point. Because it makes no sense for her to not have some sort of, um, what you call it, a connection. Not a connection, but a role. Um, true enough, Maureen Prescott was nowhere to be found because she was dead, but this mom is alive and kicking and clearly got money. So why would she cut off, um, support to her daughters, especially knowing that they are the targets of rabbit fans of the staff franchise, just weird there, you know? So, but that's my take on scream six. Um, if you guys have any comments, questions, or concerns, just email me at markos at gmail.com or, you know, send me a tweet at the Antichritic on Twitter. You can also find me on Instagram at markos, all one word, or midnight social distortion, all one word. Uh, but yeah, uh, one last thing I want to do before I sign off is something that I mentioned on my last episode. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm just wanting to implement, um, black and missing foundation. Um, they have a, uh, Instagram page that's, is, um, actually black and missing FDN, all one word. Um, this is to give light to those, um, black people and people of color who go missing and don't get enough, don't get coverage on like, you know, the news or whatnot. So, uh, 
here's one from the website that I want to put out there. This person went missing actually last month, uh, on March 23rd, 2023. Their name is Debony Lanier Moffett. And that is D E B O N Y L A N I E R M. Excuse me. M A F F E T T. And their age is 27. They're missing from Arlington, Texas. They are male. Their race is black. Their complexion is medium. Their height is 5'11". Their weight is 200 pounds. Their hair color is black. Their hair length is medium. And their eye color is brown. And the picture I'm looking at right now, it looks like they have like a mini fro. Not a fro, but like a, like a fro of some sort. But, you know, and... If you have any, any, excuse me, if you have any information on this person, please contact the Arlington Police Department at 817-459-5700 or BAMFI at 877-97BAMFI. And the location that the person was last seen was on March 23rd, 2023, around 6 a.m., leaving his job at 7-Eleven, which was located on seven lo- located at 700 West I-20 Frontage Road. He was on foot and walking southbound on Matlock Road. And the circumstances of his disappearance is that he left work not feeling well. According to family, he suffers from mental health challenges and authorities pinged his phone in the area of Cravens Park, and used a drone to search the area. However, he has not been located. And this was posted two days ago on Black and Missing Foundation. Um, and the reason why I, bring, uh, I want to do this is because, um, again, we have to look out for our own. And it will also help to just spread the uh, the word by any means necessary. So I'm going to try to keep doing these at the end of each episode from here on out. Um and a lot of these people who go missing, they usually have mental problems or they usually be sick. And I mean, I mean, a lot of it's foul play, but I've noticed that I've been seeing a lot of them in the comments saying that there's some mental issues going on with some of them. So some of them have been found as soon as the post went up, you know, and some have been having sad updates. But it's uh, it's OK still to like spread the word and, you know, push the narrative forward to you know look out for those who are missing so thank you again for tuning in and see you next time peace